at GBQ. We're always counting. Now we're making your time count with this episode of Empower Hour. Start the clock. Welcome to Empower Hour, Michelle. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing very well. I'm glad you're here. I was excited and we'll talk about some things related to this as we go. You're the first person we've had on the Empower Hour that professionally deals with demographics. And there have been a lot of demographic changes throughout this last few years. So I'm really excited about the conversation. Let's start. You're a small business owner. You you founded Baker Creative in 2003. Everybody's got their creation story when they start a business. So what's yours? What led you to start that business? Well, um, I worked at a couple different places. Some were internal corporate marketing departments. I've also worked for both small and large agencies. And when I really was seeing how that dynamic was playing out, I felt like there was a disconnect between the clients that they were serving and the outcomes that were coming out of it. And I saw a lot of frustrated clients with the agencies and a lot of internal frustration in the corporate marketing departments. And I felt like there needed to be a better way to really connect better with clients and with the staff that support them. I saw a lot of frustration, a lot of miscommunication. And quite frankly, I kind of felt like maybe some of the clients weren't really respected in the way they should have been. I know a lot of big agencies come in, you know, we know what we know. We know more than the uh, the client. It's like, but you kind of don't because the client does this every day. They're in it 24-7. Agencies are not. So by not respecting their feedback and not respecting where they're at, then there becomes friction and a disconnect. And when I worked at other agencies, a lot of times they would be like, you know, I don't want to deal with it. You deal with it. Me as a, you know, as an art director. And I was like, well, okay. And a lot of times I turn the clients around because I was willing to listen and hear what they had to say and see their perspective, right or wrong. I kind of felt like, why not do this for myself? I can have a better work environment that could be more friendly to women who are having children and you shouldn't be penalized because you want to go part-time rather than full-time. And a lot of the companies I work for were all or nothing. And it's kind of like, but why does it need to be that way? Yeah. It sounds to me like you're the typical entrepreneur that has a better way and makes that jump, takes the risk and and does it. There's a couple of things unpacked there. First, Jennifer, one of your staff members that reached out and helped this get all set up, very kind words about the way you work. She said she focuses on clients in growth mode and works much like a doctor, assessing a client's pain and writing a prescription for success and growth. And you know, organizations are living things in, in a different way than humans are, but that really resonated well with me. You kind of alluded to some of that, that you know, clients aren't having the brand performance they want, aren't having the marketing performance they want. There's a tweak that needs to be made. And it sounds like you go in and listen, like a doctor would listen and find the pain and then help solve the pain. Let's talk about a little bit about your process now. We have a proven methodology. We really do go in and assess the situation much like a doctor. And people know something's going wrong. They see symptoms, right? So if you have a cold or you have something serious, something's not working right, or you see, you know, uh, just things in your business that may not be right or, or seems to be misaligned. And what happens is a lot of times you lose revenue or you lose staff or you lose customers or a larger 
player comes into the market and overshadows what you were doing. And then you have to work extra hard to just be top of mind. So to really kind of look at ways to help our clients obtain the goals that they have in mind, where they want to be, we build strategies and, and the creative behind that and multiple solutions to help them get to where they want to be today and for tomorrow. Even if the market fluctuates up and down and all crazy, like it's been for the last couple of years, you can easily navigate those waves. Much like on our website, we made our website wrapped around that theme of riding the waves because a wave could be something that's happening in the market. It could be recession. It could be COVID. It could be lack of workforce, right? But what's the best kind of person that navigates those waves is a surfer. So let's be like surfers. Let's let's float when we need to and wait for the right wave to get ahead of it and ride it out and make the most we can out of it. Well, there have been plenty of waves the last few years. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. What in those waves have been the biggest challenges for your clients from a brand perspective over the last few years? I think it kind of depends on what industry they're in. If it's been in the food industry, I would easily say uh, supply chain and also staffing. Because, you know, in a, in a food environment, the salary or the pay is a lot different And while people do want to go out to eat, maybe they don't want to come in and eat. Maybe they'd rather do some sort of service or go through drive-through or or stuff like that. So it's been very difficult. And then, you know, trying to have consistency in those restaurants where you're like, you think you have this kind of meat and then three weeks from now it's gone, or you have enough chicken wings. And then now all of a sudden now there's a chicken wing shortage. And you're just kind of like, how do you keep that consistency and not have that impact the customer experience? in a way that's going to show up in social and impact that brand in a negative way. That's been one example. We've had insurance where it's like constant changes to the healthcare system and the insurances for small businesses can be drastic. And the impact of how big someone's deductible is can a lot of times dictate what kind of care you can have, what kind of medicine you have. So it's a very hard for employers, both small and and large, to be able to have retention if you can't have good insurance, good benefits, and good ways to try to keep that top talent. It's been very challenging. So part of my business has an HR capacity, and we look at culture, and we look at the multicultural aspects of it. We look at how do we do retention strategies from a customer and from a staffing perspective. Yeah, retention has definitely been kind of the name of the game for a lot of us. Some industries, you know, you go back to the restaurant example where relatively low wages, I don't know one day to the next whether I'm going to wear a mask. The consumers were terrible. They were upset wearing masks and taking it out on the wait staff and, you know, the long waits to get seats that had been moved for social distancing. And the list goes on and on and on. We've talked a number of times through this Empower Hour experience about the number of people in what is now called the Great Resignation that had left the market. And a lot of those were in hospitality. And then on top of that, restaurants are challenged with the healthcare insurance as well. But you look at some restaurants that the DoorDash phase of life did really well, um, or the delivery phase where the go in, sit down, have a dining experience restaurants were affected by it. My experience is I still, from time to time, will go out like on a Monday night and restaurants that were traditionally open, they're closed. So Mm -hmm. we're still dealing with that. 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you can't do catering because you don't have staffing or you can't stay open as late because you don't have staffing because it's transitory, a lot of it's based on a seasonal thing, right? So it can be very hard, very difficult. And I think it's heartbreaking to see how exhausted some of these people are because it's the constant change and always pivoting, like not on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Because if I can't get the same food, I can't get the same alcohol, I can't, I don't have staffing and oh, there's a graduation party. So five of the staff wants to go to it. If you can't get people, what are you going to say to that? Yeah. You know, you work through challenges with your clients like these and probably some others. How did the most effective clients that, that manage this uncertainty and really continued uncertainty, what did they do right? Well, you know, us being a strategy firm, I think what's helped them the most is having a strong plan. We had provided plans before this hit. And as we were going along throughout COVID, we were giving all these kind of different adjustments. So, you know, we could say, okay, this is where we're at now. I understand this is what you had before, but having that understanding that being able to accept it quickly, because I think a lot of times the culture was kind of mourning what was from before. You know, we used to be able to have, not have to wear a mask. We used to be able to do whatever we wanted and go wherever we wanted. And having that understanding that, okay, and I don't want to call it the new normal because it's it's just whatever that shift was at the time. I think having the ability to embrace that quickly rather than just being shocked by it. And now, now what? I think if you wait too long in that mode, it'll smack you in the butt. <laughs> There's a certain resiliency that comes from accepting where you are and dealing with with the reality of it rather than, you're right, stuck in the, we didn't used to do it this way, this is painful. You continue to remind yourself how painful it is instead of being resilient and move forward. I, I hear that loud and clear. Yeah. And we do that a lot of times for our clients, when, especially with reputation management stuff that we do. It's like, okay, and you know, a lot of times just be real with customers, our clients. This sucks. Yes, it does. But guess what? We'll make a plan. We'll move forward. We'll make the best of it. And you might come out better in the end. You might not feel like that right now, but just, you know, working together, walking with them, not leaving them when they need you the most is so important. We believe in really supporting our clients wherever they're at. And whether that's having to redo your business and you pivoted and you're in a new place now, or whether you had the same footprint from before and you want to just enhance it or you want to expand or you want to move into a new market or have new products, we're there to support them. So yeah, it's it's been a lot for some a lot of people. It's been exhausting for people. So reputation management, I saw that on your website. That's helping businesses manage the fact that everybody's angry and sometimes the, on the comment boards they take it out. Um, and it may not even be you know, it was the DoorDash driver, not the restaurant. It was, you know, some supply chain issue, not the restaurant, but the audience unloads on it. And people from a general perspective are, are a little bit ticked off, if not outright angry about things right now. And and that becomes a brand management challenge, I would have to assume. Well, even a hospital, like say, when we've done stuff for Ohio Health and and many other medical outlets, but I think people that work in some, and I'm not saying any commentary of these particular brands. I'm just saying in general, I've seen many medical facilities. The staffing is exhausted. 
they're frustrated and some of the filters off and, you know, that patient experience does matter because then it's like, whoa, I, now I feel like a number. I, I wanted to feel like I'm, you were listening to me and I mattered. And sometimes there's a disconnect between the front of the house and the physicians. So you help manage through those disconnects? Yes, we help people manage through the disconnects, whether it's the marketing and the communication, whether it's the internal dialogue. We look at efficiencies and how to really improve them. And and maybe that narrative needs to change, not only for the customer or patient experience, but also for retention from the staffing. So you work a little bit with retention. Retention is obviously a big deal these days. You want to keep your best employees you know, what do you see the challenges from a retention standpoint? You already mentioned insurance, but in terms of culture and the choices other people have, what do you see from a challenge perspective on the part of your clients? I think from a culture perspective, if it's a large corporation, they may have, you know, work groups, you know, the the Hispanic group and the African-American group and, and all these different groups, but they're still very siloed and they still don't always collaborate and work well together. Sometimes that can be challenging because if you're trying to get it from a culture perspective that, you know, kind of unite everyone, there's limits to that unless you work hard to get around some of those barriers. So I cringed to bring this up. We've talked about waves in the past. And back in 2008, when I think you were in the 40 under 40, we were in recession. What are the typical business challenges you see during recessionary times from a branding perspective? I see a lot of Corporations and and businesses either stop marketing efforts, bring everything in-house, don't outsource. Sometimes there's project freezes. Sometimes there's hiring freezes. But it is important to continue to put yourself out there because as the market starts to recover, you will be in a better position than your competitors because they've already probably stopped too. I think we've all kind of learned from COVID that whole pivot concept, and it doesn't mean you have to pivot in a recession, but it also means you need to be more strategic and really, really look at where you're going and where you're spending your money and looking at efficiency. So if there's things that's been going on and you haven't done a recent assessment, maybe that's the time to really look at what has been working, what hasn't been working. And having somebody on the outside often has this fresh perspective because if you're in it 24-7, you're so close to it that sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees. Those are the kind of things that I think, well, I do understand people want to save money. It is an opportunity to be top of mind and you would have less competition from ad dollars because people will be pulling back from that. In fact, I go back to that resiliency piece. There's got to be some resiliency through through the recession. You know, historically, firms that time it right, that lock it down earlier, and then have that that ability to invest as we're coming out of it, do well. The recessionary wave and other waves that that we've seen, there's all this emotional aspect to it. How does your process then help tune some of that emotion out so that business people can make decisions that are a little bit more analytical? and a little bit more focused on feeding that resiliency? Well, I think for us, we've had a lot of very serious conversations with our clients. Should they stay open? Should they not? Should they temporarily close? Should they not? Should they lay people off? Should they not? What should we do? And we have business strategists here that can kind of, and we all come together because we're all from a business perspective, give 
recommendations really that's to help them flourish in difficult times. So that's why we have the reputation management. That's why we have the business strategy. That's why we have HR and and all these different components to our business because all those touch different parts of the brand. So you wrote an article for Smart Business in January, I think it was, Beyond the Brand, How Embracing Diversity Hiring Can Boost Your Bottom Line. And one of my big things is innovation. And, and you mentioned Pivot earlier. You know, there were firms that went from making, uh, from distilling liquor but during the pandemic, making hand sanitizer. Another firm here in town is very well known for its, its workout equipment. They began making PPE. You had restaurants that realized that people weren't going to come and sit down. And so they started, you know, adding like convenience items to their mix. Innovation just from a pivot standpoint and an innovation from a solving problems differently standpoint is really incredibly valuable. And today it seems like wave after wave that that world we're in. So talk a little bit about that. How, how does embracing diversity hiring boost your bottom line? Okay. So we did a project for Ohio Health and we told a diversity story for them. So they already had the commitment, but the thing is the end user wants to see people like themselves in the community. They don't feel as isolated. They can feel more connected to a brand. And I think it's important to be able to reinvest in the communities that you serve, not only to boost the local economy, but it also, it's the right thing to do. And I know a lot of times I'm going to throw it out there because I'm a Hispanic woman in firm. Well, you know, it's just a handout. And it's like, well, it's not a handout. It's actually, if you look from a diversity standpoint, the percentage of diverse companies are such a small percentage of the overall small business footprint. And they're also, when there's a recession has proved in the past, they're the ones who hire the most during a recession. And that means that they are definitely resilient, that they do understand how to cut costs, but still be effective in what they do. So it makes a lot of sense when you're trying to do recruitment and retention of your existing workforce. If you want to keep top talent, they have to feel like they belong. They have to feel comfortable and not uncomfortable in a space that they may not always come out and say it, but you know, I think it's important to be able to be inclusive and people can be themselves and people can embrace where they're working. And if they feel better about where they're at, then maybe they'll want to stay. Maybe they'll be more loyal than you're just a paycheck. And I think in the past, maybe they've had some bad experiences where they felt like they were a number and they're out of here. There's no loyalty. There's an imperative. You throw a, a stat out in your writing that consider that 48% of people born between the mid-90s and the mid-2010s are non-white, um, according to Pew Research, and that there are more millennials than baby boomers. And 57% of millennials are white, 16% more diverse than the baby boomer generation. So workforce is changing. The people that's, that are in the cubes next to us and the and the drive-through line next to us, it's a different mix than it was before as the market adjusts. Some of the traditional diverse communities perform better and the whole market performs better. It's a, it's a, to me, it's a simple math problem. We lift everybody up. I don't believe it's a handout. We lift people up in the market. The market does better. But that's a big adjustment for some firms. Yes, it's a very frustrating as a minority-owned firm. when Sometimes you hear people try to work the diversity status. And I think people that do the certification are really 
catching on more than they ever did before. You know, I've sat in meetings where people like, well, you know, I have a a guy that's in the meeting with me and he'll be like, well, I'll just tell people my wife runs the company, but she doesn't really, she's the secretary. And I'm like, you know, they're going to come and have an interview with her. Right. I mean, people aren't stupid. They're going to figure it out, (laughs) you know, but but they don't want it, but you guys are getting handouts. And I'm like, but it's not a handout because it's just all that does is give us an opportunity to have a conversation. If you don't know what you're doing, if you're not qualified, if you don't do quality work, that conversation goes nowhere. It doesn't matter. You still got to present yourself. You still got to be able to bring it like everyone else. It doesn't change it. At the end of each of our podcasts, I'll ask five questions. And we do this with each one of our visitors. So we call it the final countdown. Here we go. What did you dream of becoming when you were in middle school? A teacher or a psychologist? <laughs> now I get to be both. <laughs> yeah, I both. There you go. That's, that's the brand architect, I see that as being both. Yeah. Uh, who inspires you? Oh, gee, uh, Condoleezza Rice. Why? Because I think her military background, her just the calm she had when things were just like crazy. It just didn't seem, she didn't seem to flinch. She was just very professional, very together. And her demeanor, the way she's handled things, she's just very classy. What is your favorite life hack? Life hack? Can that be family or work? It's life hack. So it's whatever's in your life and both are in your life. So it's your choice. Life hack. Jeez, uh, I don't know on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. It's an age thing because my kids would like rattle a bunch of things off. And I've had a couple people in our, because I think we're contemporaries. So, you know, what's something that you've done in life that's has made your life more simple? Motorcycle riding. So getting out on a motorcycle and, and kind of relaxing. Heck yeah. I have a motorcycle in my conference room and a motorcycle at home. And you get on the bike and that's a great stress reliever. What has been your most valuable failure? Um, I think not. Sometimes, you know, you try to go for work and you try to pitch different projects but there was one project I didn't get, and I'm happy I didn't because now they're bankrupt. Well, that yeah, you wouldn't have gotten involved in that. That's for sure. And yeah. then you may have already answered the next question, the last question. You work hard. How do you play to balance life? I'm expecting to hear motorcycle, but there may be something else. Oh, I like to do paddleboarding, boogie boarding. Goes back to the surfing on my website, right? Yeah. Motorcycle riding, gardening, biking. That kind of stuff. So as many non-work things as you can. (laughs) Michelle, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate the conversation and appreciate that brand attitude going in and helping firms uh, really from a physician standpoint, find it and fix the pain. Thank you. Thank you very much. Time's up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Empower Hour. Join us next time by subscribing to Empower Hour on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your preferred listening platform. Want more GBQ? We don't blame you. Visit us online at gbq.com for the business news and advice that matters most. Who is empowering your growth?